0: Greetings of love uh, to to each of you. To introduce the message this morning, I invite you to take the songbook. We're not going to sing the song, but we will sing part of it at the end of the service. But I want to uh, just look at the song uh, to introduce the message. It is number 563. Thou didst leave thy throne. We just came through Christmas. We have just entered into a, a new year. <clears throat> thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. You might underline in your mind throne. You know what, what he came from. He came from the creator. As the creator. He came from heaven. He came from a spirit uh, directing the world. And he came uh, to, he humbled himself and came to this earth in the form of a baby and walked as a man on this earth. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for the Holy Nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. And for our purposes today when we sing this. We'll just look at the first verse. We'll sing the first verse in the last two verses. So verse 4. Thou camest O Lord with thy living word. He is the word. He's the living word. His words live. His words give life. In areas of your heart and mind that need reviving and need more life, it's in his word. I can tell you that. Thou camest, O Lord, with thy living word that should set thy people free. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there's room in my heart for thee. So for the title of the message this morning, I'm using uh, <clears throat> some words from the song and the, uh, the numeral of the new year, and uh, the title is um, as if we were speaking to God and to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit So the title is this, More Room for Thee in 23. The message is for everyone that can understand what I'm saying this morning. The message is for young people who... The Spirit may be speaking to and say, it's time for you to make a decision for Jesus. And the message is for me and for the rest of you that have some areas in our lives that we need to open up more room, more room for God and his word and his will and his way in our lives. Probably in a, in a group this large, there's, there's both of those that I've just described There's young ones that are are facing this decision. They need to give their lives to Jesus. And there's those that keep the room of their heart pretty tightly closed. Because you don't want God to get too close to certain areas of your life. There's areas where you need to open up and make more room for God and his will and his way. More room for thee in 23. 23. So I've chosen several passages of Scripture, and um, I think um, as far as order, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, well, not sometimes, but always God can, can do better with order than we can sometimes. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think I'll just take them just like they come in the Scripture, just in the order. So I'm looking at one passage in the Old Testament And then we'll look at a passage in Luke. And then we'll look at three little places in the book of John. So I'll just take them in the order that that we find them in the Bible. So I invite you to turn with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me. And eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people, Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he shall have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth "...bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wher- whereto I send it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace." The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off." Just um, yeah. sorry about the homework assignments, children, <laughs> did you realize how much is in the, in the scriptures both old and new about water? And water is a type. What's a type of? You could say it in, in different ways. It's definitely a type of something we need. You need water more than you need food. And I think most of you realize that. You can go on a diet for a long, long time. You cannot eat for many, many days. You can't go very long at all without water. Our bodies are made up with, of so much, a large percent of water. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. What do you do about that? Well, you come to the water. And we will see that when we get to the book of John about Jesus and water. You can't buy it with money. We need to drink, we need to eat. He used the word water, he used the word thirst, he used the word water, he used the word eat, all in verse one. And it's nothing you can buy with money. And he says in verse 2, and this hits home to some of us, I'm sure. We're spending our time, we're spending our efforts on things that do not satisfy. And you probably have some voids in your life, some vacuums in your life that you're just trying, you're trying to satisfy, you're trying to please yourself, you're trying to to make yourself feel good. After you get this done, then you'll feel good. After you do this, then you'll feel, and you won't. Because the Bible says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, for that that won't feed your soul, for that that won't quench your thirst, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? A new phone will not satisfy you, a new phone will not fix your problems. Uh, A new whatever, you know, I just started with that one, but you can make a long list here. They won't satisfy your heart. They are not water for your soul or bread for your soul. And your labor for that which satisfies not. Why? Why do we do that? The devil would like for us to do that. The devil would like for us to keep trying to satisfy ourselves with things Because he he knows as long as we can be occupied in that, we won't turn to the real water and bread that we need. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. That's what we need. And then your soul can be satisfied with fatness of soul. Not fatness of body, not fatness of lust, But fatness of soul and spirit. And it will come through the water and bread of eternal life. That is Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in and through us. Incline your ear. Listen. Verse 3. And come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. More room for thee. In 23. Can that be your testimony? More room for thee in 23. Come unto me. Here listen. And your soul shall live. Verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Dear people. That little short verse. Verse 6. Suggests something. It suggests that we won't always have these opportunities. The Spirit will not always strive with men. the Bible says. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. One day will be too late. Call upon him while he is near. One day he'll be far away and you can't find him anymore. We have the door of opportunity now. Let the wicked forsake his way and so forth. Uh, You could say much more about this passage, but we need to move on. Um, Just note uh, at least the last verse, verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. You know, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your life. He wants to make things good for you in your in your soul, in your spirit, in your relationship with him. Uh, he wants to make your life one of, of blessing. Uh, look at verse 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. That's, that's what he wants for you and me. Yes it is. And it won't happen by trying to get those get that peace with the things of this world. Um but he wants us to have the positive eternally and spiritually instead of the negative. Uh, he wants us to have the to be like the fir tree instead of the thorn. To be like and have the, the myrtle tree instead of the briar. Let's move on over to the New Testament. Uh, Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14. I would like to begin reading at verse 16. Luke chapter 14. I begin reading at verse 16. Then said he unto him. A certain man made a great supper. And bad many. And sent his servant at supper time. To say unto them that were bidden. Come. For all things are now ready. And they with. All with one consent began to make excuse. If I could just stop and make one comment. That, that's, that's probably one of the saddest sentences in the Bible. Um, has that been <clears throat> said by anyone here this morning? By me or by you? That when... God wants something in us, the Spirit speaks to us about something, we begin to make excuse. Verse 18, and they all with one consent began to make excuse. The verse said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and must needs go and and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have, earned, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord... It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, dear ones, Jesus don't leave us hanging with that parable He explains what he's talking about. He uses that to teach us what follows. So we read on. Verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them. If any man. Come to me. And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever He be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And they all, with one excuse, begin to make, uh, with, all con- with one consent, begin to make excuse. I'm suggesting to you that Jesus just gives three examples. Three examples. He's not talking about everyone that was called. It says in verse uh, 16 that many were bad to come. Many. And then. He just gives an example of the excuses of only three. There were many more excuses, likely. The invitation was in verse 17. Come. I take for granted, and because of what Jesus says in interpreting this in the last verses of the chapter, he's saying this is like, like heaven. God calling us to heaven. God calling us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. God calling us to heaven. The opportunity to come to heaven. To eternal life. But you see from the excuses. Just the three examples that he gave. That there were things more important. Than that meal in heaven. Than that opportunity to to eat around the throne of God in heaven. And. uh, So you know the. The first excuse, real estate was more important to that person than the, than the invitation of God. And then the, uh, the next person, I had bought five yoke of oxen. And so, uh, you know, I guess today we would have to say like uh, tractors or trucks or cars or something were, were more important than uh, that invitation to be in heaven. Now, lo and behold, the the third one. He said, "Well, you know, I'm, i you know, uh, I got to have a good reason here. <laughs> I need a good reason to give him. I, I just got married. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't come." <laughs> and so then we have verse 26 if any man come to me and hate not and I I think all of you understand and children if you you know never read this too much or haven't heard anybody talk about we we know that the Bible says we're to love right but here it says uh, we are to hate and uh, we, we we take this in, in context. You know, you don't just lift a verse out of context, but you take it in, in the in the message that's being given in the in the whole paragraph or verses. You know, and so what, he's, what Jesus is saying is here is we can't let people get in the way of us following God. Uh, we we can't love somebody so much that we, uh, we do something that, that keeps us from Jesus. Um, the, the, the first thing is to follow God in Christ. And, and if the family gets in our way, then, then we have to follow Christ instead of the, the family. And so that's how the word hate here is used. So verse 26, if any man come to me, then you can't let family get in your way. And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, and his own life also. Maybe you know you can understand. You know, he for some reason he went into detail and said a lot of uh, mentioned a lot of family members there in the first part of that verse. And uh, but maybe for us this morning, you know, the the larger part is the very end of the verse. And yea, his own life also. So maybe you have big. Big plans for how you want to do in your home, or doing your life, or doing your business, or or do where you work, or doing you know your recreation or something in the coming year. Uh, and maybe some of that may get in the way of following Christ. It says at the end of the verse, and hate your own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Please notice verse twenty-seven. And sometimes people don't interpret that right or don't have the right understanding of what it means to bear a cross. And some of you have heard me say this before, but sometimes people have said, you know, I have difficulties in my life, you know. And I have this physical ailment and, you know, I have this problem with my relatives and so forth. And that's my cross. Well, it's not. That's not what he's talking about when he talks about bearing a cross. And so... When you have something going wrong, or you can't get along with somebody, or you have a disease or something, uh, it's not biblical for you to say, that's my cross, because that's not what he's talking about. The last part of the verse, you should read it, or, or no, I'm looking at verse 27. The middle part of the verse. Bear his cross and come after me, that's one thing. It's not two things, that's one thing. When we follow Jesus, our cross is to put ourselves to death, to get rid of the old man. A cross means death. It means to put the old man to death, to get the old man, myself, my carnal nature, the lusts of me, my flesh, my wrong thoughts and, dos and doings and actions, to, to get them out of the way, to put them to death. To bear his cross, to, to kill that, to put that to death and follow Christ. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, that's one and the same thing. You put yourself to death so that you can follow him. You can't be on the throne and follow Jesus. That doesn't work. And that's what he said you can't be your own boss and follow Jesus. Put yourself to death. And follow me. Um, we can't spend a lot of time with, with all these verses, you realize. But uh, it gives another example of, of how things would be. Um, in other words, there's cost to be counted. Are you willing to count the cost? That's what he's talking about in the next few verses. We, we must count the cost. Are you Are the costs too great? You see, the cost was too great for these people that first had to go look at their real estate. They had to go look at their oxen. They couldn't come because they married a wife. The cost was too great to to, to heed the invitation to come to heaven. The things of this world were too important. Verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he of you, be of you that forsaketh not all. That's what Jesus said. I had already underlined it in my Bible one time. As I was preparing for this, I put another <laughs> line under the word, little word all. Forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You see, you have, we have to put those things to death, as it were, to follow Christ. We said that in verse 27. Forsaketh not all. Um, so, you know, is there some room in your heart and in life that, that's, that's, that you won't forsake? It's a little secret place maybe. Or maybe it's a big place that everybody knows about. But you're not forsaking it. More room for thee in 23. Uh, the song says, I have room. I want to give room for you. Room for thee. Is the song we're looking at. Um, last two little verses. How salty are you? Husbands, would, would, would your wives say of you that, that you're a real salty Christian? Or are you just kind of taking up, taking up space? I mean that's a little crude illustration, but but I'm but I mean really okay. So salt was not meant to be sand. Salt was not meant to be rough. Salt was meant to make a difference in taste, in flavor. And if it's only acting like sand or sandpaper. It's not salt. And you might as well throw it away. That's what he said in verse 34 and 35. Salt is good. But if it's, if it's only sandpaper, if it's only sand, it, it's totally useless. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor... Its seasoning qualities and its flavor. If it's lost that, Jesus said, "What good is it?" And then he said, "What you can do with it" in verse thirty-five, or how useless it is. Is that like some of us sometimes? You know, we're 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 here. We're taking up space. You know, uh, you know, uh, um, you know. Are, are we salty? You know, as husbands, as leaders of our homes, you know, are we salty or are we just there, you know? Um, uh, but, but this is for every. This is not just for husbands. I just use it as an example. It's for everybody that names the name of Jesus Christ. We should be salty. We should be making a difference like salt makes a difference. And the difference that it makes is not in how rough it is or how gritty it is. It's the flavor it gets. Let's turn to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, just uh, two or three verses in here, and then we'll turn over a couple pages to a little further in John, but first of all, John chapter 4. You know, as we turn to chapter 4, you know, most of you, that this is the passage with Jesus and the woman at the well. Uh, we'll just look at three verses in John chapter 4. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Did we read that before in the Old Testament? Hundreds of years before it was written about water and living water. Then verses 13 and 14. Verse 13. Jesus said unto her. Answered and said unto her. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. That is the water that's down in in the well that the lady was drawing out of. But. Verse 14. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But. But. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. <laughs> I just thought as I was looking at that in preparation for this, you know, that's a verse that just stands by itself. It's a verse that maybe you should copy on a piece of paper and just stick up somewhere. <laughs> you know, to, to just remind you yourself uh, of the fact from time to time. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst; but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I mean, when you get to the end of that verse, you, you just—it just—it just makes me automatically smile. I mean, I, it's like I can't help it. I mean, the beauty of the end of that verse. Um, but dear ones, what what happened so much? we are trying to satisfy ourselves in our longings with earthly water and that's and Jesus used that as an example verse 13 whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again the water that's in this well where that woman was either dropping a container with a rope, or either walking down there and getting it out, he said, you're going gonna, gonna, to, that won't satisfy you. And she claimed to, you know, wanting to be apparently satisfied by knowing her forefathers and their connection to the Old Testament patriarchs and so forth, you know, and that, that was supposed to satisfy her. He, he said, no, it won't. And so we, we, we can try to satisfy ourselves in this new year with new gadgets new places to go, new things to do, uh, new excitement, new fun, whatever. You, you make your own list. And it's like Jesus said, the this, this earthly things will not satisfy. But he said, the water that comes from me, that's what will satisfy you. Not only will it satisfy you, it'll give you everlasting life. <clears throat> that's in chapter 4. Now, that's an introduction to water just turn over a few pages to chapter 7 turn over a few pages to chapter 7 just two verses in chapter 7 and it is verse 37 and 38 verses 37 and 38 again these, hold, these have Old Testament parallels. Uh, there's, just in the book of Isaiah, there's many times when, when water is, is used for an illustration. And, and it's used in other places in the Old Testament for that matter. But look at verses 37 and 38 here of John chapter 7. In the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Again, that actually water and flowing flowing water and flowing out of us it's in the old testament i know it's in isaiah it's in some other places i believe those are two little verses the part that jesus said is only half of verse 37 and all of verse thirty. you know what is it just three or four lines four or five lines in your bible you know we can read that in just a few seconds but we should break it down. If Jesus said it, you better listen. Well, if if it's in here, you better listen. Okay. Uh, but these are the words of Jesus. He he didn't speak uh, just to fill space, but he spoke with strength and power. Let's look at the words. If any man thirst, any. All are invited. All are invited. If any man, all are invited. Let him come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto who? Come unto Christ. Come unto Jesus. Christ is the source. You want your thirst to be quenched, you go to Jesus. Jesus. Christ is the source coming to me. The next word is drink. It means personal intake. Personal intake. Dear, dear young people, dear everyone, I, I cannot drink for you. you. You cannot drink for me. It's personal intake. I have to drink for myself, and you have to drink for yourself. The next word is, words are, he that believeth on me, with an underline under believe. It means personal commitment. Personal commitment. I cannot commit myself to God and his word and, and to Jesus as my Savior. I cannot make that commitment for you, and you can't make it for me. Personal commitment. As the scripture saith, out of his belly shall not might, not I think so, not maybe so, but shall. S H A L L. Certainly. It certainly will work. It certainly will happen. The next word is flow. Continuous. Not not, not drip. <laughs> no. Not sprinkle, <laughs> you, know, you could go on. No, flow, continuous. The next word is rivers, abundance. I mean, when Jesus does something, he does it all the way. Not a little dried up creek, not a tiny little stream, but rivers. Abundance, that's what it means, abundance, plenty. The next word is living. Living, alive, life-giving, life-giving. We will die eternally. We will die spiritually if we don't have the life-giving water of Jesus Christ. He is the water of life. Life-giving water. Living, and the last word is water, the need is supplied, praise God. The need is supplied. We are refreshed. How did he begin? If any man thirst, the last word is water. <laughs> That's what quenches your thirst, and we all know that. And here he's not talking about the water out of that Samaritan woman's well. He's talking about himself, Jesus Christ, the, the water of life. We will conclude this morning then with a couple of verses in the next, very next chapter. Uh, chapter 8 of John. Um, actually verses 31 to 36. John chapter 8 and verses uh, 31 uh, to 36. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Uh, that's a good that's encouraging statement is it not there were some that, that believed on him there were many that, that did not and just could not take him but uh, it says here then said Jesus to those Jews which, which did believe which believed on him and this was his promise and the promise is to us this morning the encouragement is to us the promise is to us the power is to us the truth is to us This is what he said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, now you, you understand, men put the verse numbers here. That's one statement. If you continue, you need to read that without stopping between verses, as it were. If ye continue in my word with a line under word. If ye continue in my word then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. They answered him we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them verily verily I say unto you. Whosoever commit a sin. Is the servant of sin? You get it now. A servant is not free. You see, a servant is, is like a slave. You know, or, or he's bound to his master. You see. He's not free. That's what he's getting at here. Verse thirty-five. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Maybe you need to give more, more room to thee in, in 23 by just taking more time with the word. Instead of taking more time with many other things. Um, that's what it says in verse, I mean we, we could get that idea from what I just read here. If ye continue in my word. Then are ye my disciples indeed. And then, and then what? when we continue in this. Then verse 32 makes sense. Then we can know. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I, I mean freedom sounds wonderful. I mean be, it's so wonderful to have a free heart. To have a free soul. To know that things are right between you and God and and you and your spouse and and you and your children and and young people, if you're listening, to, to be free between you and your your moms and your dads. To have that freedom, to have that that smile between you, that everything's right. And ye shall know the truth. And by the way, that will only come when the truth is followed. When we live the truth, we act the truth. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. More room for for thee in 23. It may be uh, you as a young person has never committed your life to Jesus Christ, and and you know that the time has come that that you need to do that. And it may be uh, one of us older ones that, um, you know, we need to give more room to thee in 23 in certain areas of our life. And so do that. if, if you're a young person and you, you've never made that commitment to the Lord Jesus, you know, go home and, and call a meeting with mom and dad and say, I, I need to do this. I want to do this. Or you may be a husband and needs to go have a meeting with your wife and make something right. Or wife wife needs to go and make something right with your, with, with your husband. Or a child needs to go home and make something right with your parents, you know. More room for thee in, in, in 23. More room for thee in 23. Um, You know, will that be you? Will that be me? (laughs) I trust it will, as the Holy Spirit moves in our hearts. So, uh, let's sing as a testimony. Uh, uh, I trust you can sing it uh, from your heart. And Joe will come and lead us in verses 1, 4, and 5 of number 563.